We are currently in a series called, Can You Hear Me Now? Can You Hear Me Now? No doubt all of us here today remember the cell phone commercial where the man walks around speaking into his cell phone saying, Can You Hear Me Now? Can You Hear Me Now? Well, in this series, we are emphasizing the fact that God desires to speak to us. God wants to speak to all of us, not just to preachers, not just to people that are in full-time ministry, but God desires to speak to everybody. God in, uh, desires to speak to you. Yes, he wants to speak to you. Amen. Now, there are many, many ways that God uh, endeavors to speak to his people. Let me just give you a, a, an abbreviated list. You know, sometimes God speaks through dreams and visions, now, we have to be very careful with this one. Sometimes we get dreams and visions from too much pizza too late at night, all right? But sometimes God speaks to us through dreams and through, through visions. Uh, God often speaks to us through impressions or the little nudgings that, uh, that we receive. How many has ever had any of, of those? Uh, God speaks through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for his wonderful supernatural gifts. He, he, he speaks through that still, small voice. He speaks through, through prophecy. Uh, God speaks through pastors. He speaks through preachers, through their, through, through their messages and through their, through their teachings. God uses all of these and more in order to speak to his people. Another way that God speaks to us is through, through his word, through his word. The scriptures, I believe, are God's main way that he endeavors to speak to us. Say the main way. And here's what I also have come to know and believe, and that is out of all of the ways that God speaks uh, to his people, what he uh, has said through his word is the most dependable and most reliable. Fact of the matter is, the word trumps a word every single time. The fact is, we should judge a word through what the word says. So, so if we ever receive a word that contradicts the word, we should reject it and always go with the word. If you agree, say amen. amen. Even if you don't agree, it's the truth. Amen. Well, in the book of the Revelation, seven individual churches are addressed. Seven, seven literal churches in Asia Minor receive a letter written specifically to them. Now, although these, although these were letters written personally to each individual, individual church, most theologians believe that eventually all seven letters were read in all seven churches. These letters were specific to the times, they were specific to the places, and yet they are profitable to all and even to us today to read and to glean from. Now, Pastor Sean already unpacked the letters to the churches uh, uh, in Pergamon and in Thyatira. So today we are going to look at the letter written to the church in Ephesus. Now, we need to understand that Ephesus was a large, thriving city, uh, the hub of much activity. Uh, perhaps it was the largest of all of these seven 
cities. And because that it is larger, perhaps the church in Ephesus also was the largest as well, and also perhaps the busiest. I want us to read the letter addressed to the church in Ephesus. We find it in the book of the Revelation. We find it in the second chapter and the first seven verses. So let's read this letter that was written to the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered, and you have patience, and you have labored for my namesake, and you have not become weary. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly. I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, before we look specifically at this church in Ephesus, I want to make make an observation. Although only two out of all seven of these churches escape without a rebuke, Yet in every single case, the positive in that church is recognized before the negative. This tells me that the Lord is always looking for the good in us and not necessarily the bad. Does he see the bad? Does he correct the bad? Does he expect us to change when he points out some uh, deficiency? Yes, yes, and yes. But we need to understand that our Lord loves us, that he cares for us, and he recognizes who we are becoming and what we are doing for him. Seven out of seven times the letters begin with, I know your works. I'm aware of the good things that you are doing for me and for my kingdom. All right, let's look at this letter written to the Ephesian church. And I want to call your attention to three things that that, that stand out to me in this letter. I, I believe that we can learn much from what the Lord had to say to them. First thing that I see in this letter, I see the commendation the commendation. We find this in verses two and three. And I want you to notice that there were no less than, than three. First of all, let me suggest that they were dedicated. Dedicated. Verse two, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know you cannot bear those who are evil. These church members were dedicated. They were busy. They were involved. They didn't just show up to church and throw a dollar or two in the plate now. No, they were all in A-team participants. But not only were they dedicated, but they were were doctrinally sound. Verse 2, you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. 
They knew what they believed. I said they knew what they believed. They were students of the word. They didn't buy into the latest faddish doctrine of the day. They weren't easily swayed. They didn't blindly endorse whatever the latest celebrity preacher of the day had to say just because of his popularity. No, they judged the message and they judged the messenger by the word of God. But not only did they receive commendation because they were dedicated and because they were doctrinally sound, but also because they were durable. They were durable. Verse 3, you have persevered and you have patience and you have labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary. Wow, what a commendation. What a commendation. This church wasn't wishy-washy. It wasn't up one day and down the next. Oh, they were not in for a while and then out for a while. They were durable. They were stable. They were dependable. They were consistent. I would apply for a pastoral job in a church like that. A church that doesn't need a constant cheerleader in the pulpit every single Sunday. A church filled with people who don't need to be propped up and bottle fed every Sunday. A church that is is durable. A a church that is strong enough, strong enough to weather any storm. And oh, oh, able to walk out on the other side of a pandemic. Oh, still united, still intact, and still on target with their God-given vision. I'm praying that I am pastoring a church like that. This church in Ephesus had it going on, man. Oh, they received three very incredible commendations. But, say but. But after the commendation comes the condemnation. And we find it in verses 4 and 5. Let me go ahead and read that to you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Here's the essence. I want you to get this this morning. Here's the essence of the commendation or rebuke that they received. And the essence of their rebuke was this. Although God was satisfied with their performance, he was saddened by their passion. Although God was satisfied with their performance, he was satisfied with what they were doing. He was satisfied with their performance, but he was saddened by their passion. See, it wasn't what they were doing or not doing that caused God to become disappointed in them. No, no, no. No, it was their lack of intensity. It was the loss of enthusiasm. It was the lessened zeal that they had allowed to creep in that brought this rebuke to them. First, for Jesus says, I I have this against you, and that is you have left your first love. New Living Translation says, you don't love me 
like you did at the first. I want to suggest three things that their dissipating love produced. First of all, their hands grew callous while their hearts grew cold. Their their hands grew callous, but their hearts had grown cold. They still showed up for the ministry. They still gave in the offering. They still taught their class. They still did their rushing. They still showed up for the all-church work day. Uh, uh, They still brought their food for the potluck. Oh, they still served on their committee. Oh, they still sang on the worship team. Oh, they still visited the sick. Laziness and inconsistency wasn't the problem in this church. They had plenty of workers they had plenty of workers. They, ah, you know, they had so many workers that other churches envied them and sought to learn their volunteer system. The problem was not with their hands. The problem was with their heart. And hear me this morning. God is much more interested in what's in our hearts than he is with what's in our hands. Their hands grew calloused, but their hearts grew cold. How is it with us? How is it with us? Oh, oh, let, let me start at the top. Let me start at the top. Hey, Pastor, Pastor, why, why do you read and study the Bible? Is it because that you are in love with this author? Or is it just to get another sermon to fulfill your duty? Do you even read the Bible when it's not your turn to preach? How how is it with you, preacher? Hey, worship leader or worship team member, why are you on the team? Why are you on the team? Why do you practice and why do you participate? Is it because that that you are in love with Jesus? Or are you just in love with singing and playing? Do you even worship when you are not leading? Do you even show up for church at all if it's not your time in the rotation? How about a deacon? Do you deek with joy? (laughs) Is it just about a position for you? Or are you truly a servant? An Aaron and a her? An extension of the ministry of your pastor? How about an usher? How about a security person? How about a parking lot attendant? How about this one, that one, whoever it is, whatever it is that you're involved in? Oh, have we allowed our hands to grow callous, man? Man, we are working and our hands have grown callous. But have we allowed our hands to grow callous while our hearts have grown cold? Here's another possibility. They spent, perhaps they spent more time working for God than worshiping him. Listen, God is more interested in our presence than in our performance. 
He's more interested in the time that we spend with him than in the time that we spend for him. And listen to me, listen, listen. The time that we spend with him will determine the effectiveness of what we do for him. Martha, Martha was proud of her work. Jesus was proud of her sister Mary's worship. Now hear me this morning, both work and worship are important. And I know we slam Martha, you know, because Mary was at the feet of Jesus. Martha was in cooking dinner. But I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty sure that everyone in that house was pretty happy with Martha when church was over and it was time to eat. Both work and worship are important, but never allow, never allow your work for God to become more important than the worship time that you spend with him. Third possibility of the saints in Ephesus could be that, that, that their complaints grew louder than their celebration. Their complaints grew louder than their celebration. Oh, how easy it is to begin to take God's blessings for granted and even to, oh, to begin complaining when each day is not bigger and not better than the day before. The children of Israel sure fell, fell into this trap. Oh, no matter what God did for them, it was never enough to satisfy them for very long. And it seems that the, that the saints in Ephesus were guilty of this as well. Oh, you have left your first love, the letter reads. Your, your passion, your enthusiasm, your gratitude for my presence and for my provision has waned. You are taking me for granted is what God is telling them. You are taking my presence and my provision. You are taking it and me for granted. And it grieves my Heart, God says, you are complaining when you should be celebrating. I don't know how you're looking at this pandemic. How? Maybe you're spending all of your time complaining, you know. I can't go where I used to go. I can't do what I used to do. I can't be involved in what I used to be involved in. I, wah, 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 wah. But on the other, on the other hand, we could, be, we could be celebrating God. You have brought us through, God. We're still here. We're still alive. We're still strong. Amen. We still get to be in your presence. We still get to be involved in your work. Oh, we need to spend time celebrating the blessing of God instead of complaining because today is not better than yesterday. My challenge to us today is this, and that that is let's learn from the rebuke to the church in Ephesus. God is saying to us, God is saying to us, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh, what was said about the church of Ephesus, may it never be said about us at the grace place. Yes, our hands, yes, they should grow callous as we work diligently for God. But oh, may our hearts never grow cold. May we never spend more time working for God than we do worshiping him. And God forbid that our complaints ever grow louder than our celebration. 
May we value his presence over his provision. May we keep stoking the fire of passion that we have for our Lord. May we consistently remind ourselves of his goodness and of his blessings and of his provision. And most of all, may we just continue to love his presence. All right, we've talked a little bit about the commendation, a little bit about the condemnation. The third thing that I see in this letter is the compensation. And it's found in verses 5 through 7. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly, remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. It is human, buddy. Notice three things here. Let me suggest God rewards those who remember. God rewards those who remember. Verse five, remember, remember from where you have fallen. God says to them, not only have you not progressed, but you have actually regressed. You're not only not going forward, you are actually going backward. Don't you remember how in love you were once, you once were with me? Don't you remember the passion that once burned in your heart for me, God says? Remember how it once was, God says. God says, I do. You may not, but I do. I remember how in love you were with me. I remember the passion. I remember the enthusiasm. I remember the energy, all that you had in our relationship. Do do, do you not remember? I do, God says. God rewards those who remember, and, and God rewards those who repent. Verse 5, remember from where you have fallen and repent. Repent means to turn around. Repent means to go back. Repent means that you took a wrong turn at the fork in the road. Go back to it and turn the other way. God says the road, the road you chose, oh, oh, took you away from me. Turn around, repent, turn around and walk back to me. God rewards those who remember God. Oh, he rewards those who repent. And and God rewards those who renew. Verse 5, remember from where you have fallen, repent. But notice what comes next. And do, say do. Yeah, remember from where you have fallen, repent. Yes, yes. But then do the first works. Renew the passion that you once had for me. Renew the enthusiasm you once had for me and for your ministry. Renew the gratitude and the appreciation and the zeal that you once had 
for me and with me. Verse 7 says, if you do these things, you will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Takeaway for the message today is this, performance without passion is unacceptable to God. Performance without passion. Oh, we like to say, well, I do this, I do that. And in fact, even on judgment day, the Lord said, you're going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not do something else? Lord, what about my performance, God? What about all of those things that I have done for you? But God says performance without passion is unacceptable. I don't want you to just work for me. I'm not just interested in your performance. I, I'm not just interested all, oh, with what you do for me. I'm not, I'm not just interested in how many calluses that you have in your hands. What I'm really interested in is what is in your heart. What I'm interested in is for a people that love me. Yes, they serve me, but not, not to get something or just because that it's demanded or commanded, but because they love me, because they love me, they want to they do for me. Because they love me, they want to be in my house. Because they love me, they want to give. Because they love me, they want everybody else to love me as well. And so they invest in missions so the world can hear about what they are so passionate about. Let me say it one more time. Performance without passion is unacceptable to God. And hear me, saints. Passion is developed in His presence. Passion is developed in His presence.